Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. When your money's on the line, choose a trusted sports book that gives you tools to win, like MyBookie. At MyBookie, it doesn't matter if your team is up or down. You can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. Use my bookie for daily odds boosts, same game parlays, and take advantage of huge prize pool contests. Every single sack, fumble, and touchdown is another chance to hit payday. To get started, go to mybookie.ag and on your first deposit, use promo code TSUS to grab a deposit match up to $1,000. Try the MyBookie money bag to grab a potential Super Bowl front runner at long shot odds. Plus 38,000 on the Eagles and Chiefs. You won't find odds like that anywhere else. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players. And you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at prize picks they also have a slick easy to use mobile app both on the app store and google play they're rated 4.8 stars in the app store with rave reviews so many fans and listeners of the spurs up show have made tons of money with our friends at prize picks and you should as well so again go download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com and when you do use that promo code ts U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just every single Tuesday to talk all things Gamecocks football. Our good friend J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. He joins the show once again. J.C., what's going on, my friend? I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Yeah, great to be with you, Chris. Uh, excruciating loss. Uh, another one to the Gators, by the way. Uh, there's been a long line of those. I think Will Muschamp had uh, a couple there in 2018 and 19 against these guys, but uh, – just a just a tough one to swallow, you know. It, I thought I thought they had it, you know, up ten late like that, all the momentum in the world. You'd held them to what three points second half to that point, and then just two inexcusable drives based on a lot of different things. Matchups were bad. Uh, the tackling on the perimeter by Marcellus Dial was, I mean, he he picked a bad day to have his worst game of the year. He, he, I don't think people have noticed him so much this season because teams haven't really challenged him and thrown at him. Uh, he's really done a good job. Uh, so it's unfortunate because, you know, Marcellus has kind of been inconsistent uh, prior to this year. Uh, and it just kind of puts a bad taste in people's mouth that he kind of shows up and well, boom, that, that, that was a bad blown tackle. Uh, and that's just not, that's not him. That's not his standard. Uh, you feel bad for him, but you just can't have that in that situation. And then you just can absolutely cannot have Pearsall matched up against your safeties, which, you know, the, the, the troubling trend, Chris, with, with, when you look at all five, all six games this year so far, opposing offensive coordinators, and I've said this all week, it, 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 it gets into the other team has coaches too category. They are finding matchups and exploiting them against this defense. I saw it against North Carolina. I'm sitting there, Drake May drops back. Tight end runs a deep cross against Stone Blanton. Uh, we saw what Kobe Pesor did in one-on-one coverage with Keenan Nelson a couple of times. Uh, Furman had the slant all night until they adjusted. Uh, Georgia, I don't know what my Bobo was doing first half. <laughs> uh, second half, though, uh, he just adjusted his running game one gap over and then he gashed Carolina and then took advantage of some things downfield, so they adjusted as well. Uh, you, you go forward after Georgia, Mississippi State, uh, and, and, and these the home games have been just bizarre. You know, you, you, you know, they held Mississippi State 32 yards rushing. Well, Will Rogers not running Mike Leach's offense uh, throws for 487 because they take advantage of Tula Griffith on DQ Smith all night. Tennessee attacked the perimeter in the run game like there was no tomorrow uh, and really had her number defensively uh running the ball and, and then we go right back to the, the same Mississippi State type of performance 
against Florida, but this time it cost them because, you know, you, 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 you were able to hold them to 71 rushing yards. I know 30 of it came on that safety or whatever at the end. But still, man, South Carolina held Florida's run game in check. If you'd have told me the Gamecocks would have outrushed the Gators, I'd have said Carolina's winning by at least two or three scores, and they should have. But then they go and uh, and blow it like that, uh, and, and it's another record game for a quarterback that you're not really expecting to come in and light you up like that uh, against a receiving core that's got one or two good players <laughs> uh, and a tight end. Um, and it just adds up to a, a disappointing defeat. You know, Shane Beamer is now three and 10 against SEC East competition outside of Vanderbilt. I didn't even realize that till I looked it up, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's tough. And he, you know, they're going to play a team that he's open to against this weekend in Missouri. So, uh, just a tough pill to swallow and an absolute must have game. Uh, to blow it like that, just uh, it, it, it's crushing. You know, is it the end of the program based on track record around here under Beamer? Probably not. He has a way of rallying the troops when things seem at their darkest. Uh, but, you know, that defensive performance Saturday, Chris, was after an open date where people allegedly were supposed to be making adjustments and figuring things out. I, I, I just uh, I, I get more and more concerned about the defense uh, moving forward. And it wasn't, I do want, I want to say this. You can't like not blame coaching for Saturday because like I said, other, other coordinators are getting their teams into favorable matchups and you're not, nothing's happening to kind of fix that. Right. But there were also some player issues like the, if, I mean, dial makes a tackle, the game's over. I mean, you know, that there were some player mistakes but does that lead back to coaching fundamentals? I don't know. Um, you know, so I, I don't. I don't want to absolve anybody on that side of the ball uh, for what happened Saturday. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even think it's an either or. I think it's an all of the above. But they have to fix this quick because you know you're going on the road where your offense is kind of scoring at like half of what they are at home. Um, you know, it's one tough environment and one environment you hadn't won in uh, in a while. Um, you know, you got four home games to close out the season that are all winnable. And so if you can steal one of these, I think you're still in good shape to get to a bowl and all that. But boy, oh boy, you know, it's uh, it, they've put themselves in a hole. And uh, the frustrating part is it, it, it's one side of the ball that just hasn't gotten fixed all year for whatever reason. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And JC, you mentioned that, you know, we were just talking off air about uh, that was, I I guess, the most demoralized you had felt after a game since 2017 Kentucky. You know, I I mentioned the the vibe of that game was like 2014 Tennessee. I'll never forget leaving the stadium that night and how dejected I felt. And then I think back to, like you mentioned, the series against Florida, for some reason, there's just been these excruciating losses, whether it's been via blowout like last year or like. My mind goes directly, JC, to 2018, right? Who can forget in the swamp when you're up by, I think, 17 or 14 points and you end up losing that game. That was the Felipe Franks shushing his own crowd game or whatever it was. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's been some really excruciating ones. But to your point, I want to make sure people realize, like, I don't think you're you're overstating it or overselling it in the sense of, you know, that was a detrimental loss. I mean, we talked about, I mean, I labeled it the most important game of the of the 2023 season over the summer because of what hinged on it in regards to it's one thing to not win eight games in year three and match the win total, and that's disappointing. But now you have to stare in the face the real reality that this team may not make a bowl game. I mean, it's 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 going to take a significant turnaround to get to six wins. And I think that's a reality that is really tough to stomach. JC, you mentioned, obviously, the defensive side. Let's get right into it. I'm not sitting here, JC, asking you to call for jobs here on the show, but I think most of this fan base at minimum feels like Shane Beamer has to take a good, long, hard look at Clayton White and what is happening on the defensive side. I feel the same way, JC. It's just, you know, the defense – You hate to say it's been smoke and mirrors the first two years because I think that's taken away too much from what they've done. But we had the question, JC, if the turnovers aren't there, right, if it's not turnover-aided and things happening, can they still be a good defense? And the answer this year has been a resounding no. And what's most shocking to me, JC, is, you know, we felt like if the rushing defense improved, this defense was going to take steps forward, undoubtedly. The rushing defense has improved, but, JC, I don't know whether it's because – South Carolina is that much better at stopping the runner. Like you mentioned, teams have just realized there's explosive plays to be had down the field. Why would you run the football? So you mentioned your concern level. Obviously, I definitely think it's personnel as well. Way too many missed tackles, way too too much sloppy play. Everything I just said, where do you sit in regards to when it comes to defense? I think at minimum, like I said, you're on the side of Shane Beamer is going to have some really tough decisions to make, no matter how the rest of this season goes. He's going to have some tough decisions make to make at season's end. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this: a couple, a couple thoughts. Um, first of all, on the turnovers, you you can't always count on those. No matter how much you emphasize it, no matter how much you pride yourself on forcing turnovers, it's that old adage: the way the ball bounces. Sometimes the way that the ball doesn't bounce your way. Also, if you're a team that is known for causing turnovers. What's going to happen again? It gets back to the other team as coaches too. What are they going to emphasize all week in practice? Ball security, ball security, ball security. Wrap up the ball. Don't let it out of your hands. Don't play sloppy. These guys can force them. They're going to try to punch it out. That kind of thing. 
blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, and so teams come into it against your defense with the mindset of we're not going to turn it over, we're not going to turn it over. Keep in mind these are all college kids, so uh, sometimes you have to overemphasize things. In the pros, you know not to turn the ball over. You're going to get fired if you do. And like in college, you know, sometimes it takes that little extra emphasis because these are these are college kids. Their attention spans are, you know, wherever. So I think I think some of that's happened. I think when teams prepare for South Carolina, well, how do we prepare? Well, we got to emphasize we don't turn the ball over. We've got to be good on special teams. Okay, well, let's go. Um, and like I said, they have coaches too. So that's A, you can't count on turnovers ever. Uh, we should have learned that 2017, 2018, Chris. I mean, that 2017 team – that won nine games under Will Muschamp. Man, they were top 10 in the country in turnovers. Uh, I think Dante Sawyer led the country in, in fumble recoveries or forced got, fumbles, got, something like that. You might recall, JC, they got five in that Michigan game to turn that five. down. The Gamecocks were I mean, in that game, and then Michigan, it almost felt like handed South Carolina the football game. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, that that was uh, that was the trademark of that team. They they were, you know, guys like Sky Moore were ball hawks and – you know, you, you you had the ability. The D line that year, I thought, was pretty disruptive. Lance Thompson did a good job getting them to get the ball off people and stuff. But the next year, you know, even before they lost all those players to injury in eighteen, they weren't getting the turnovers. It just didn't happen. Teams emphasized it. You were missing some guys that were kind of good, like Sky, to get it off and all that. So, uh, you know, th- there's a lesson right there. You know, and that and like I said, that was before that defense got completely cratered due to injuries. Um, you know, that's number one. Number two, defensive coordinators. Um, I have seen through the years, and I, I kind of just started thinking about this. There are a lot of very good defensive coordinators that end up getting figured out. And quite frankly, they have trouble regaining it. Uh, I go back to Brian Van Gorder. Brian Van Gorder at Georgia, one of the best coordinators in the country, Right. Had a cup of coffee here for 30 days, <laughs> went to the pros, came back to Auburn where they were atrocious, uh, ends up at Notre Dame, has a couple of good years, then gets exposed again, and that's it. Alex Grinch, who everybody in Southern California wants to fire, uh, <laughs> when he was with the Pirate out at Washington State, heck, that was one of the best defensive coordinators Mike Leach ever had. I remember them winning games like 30-10 to 10 over Oregon because that defense was so good. Well, he gets to Oklahoma and Southern Carolina. Well, a few teams have kind of figured it out, right? Um, Tyro Nix here, when he took over for John Thompson in 05, he got that defense so much better. I mean, they they weren't winning games 40 to 30. They, they weren't at 16, 15, 14, 10, 13, 9, those types of games because he was that good. Well, then what happened by the time 07 rolled around? Steamroll City, baby. Um, you know, that happened to him here. It's it's happened to Reggie Herring and Vic Coding at Clemson and Kevin Steele, you know, through his career. So, so, the, the, so there are, I, I want to say this, there are good defensive coordinators who get figured out and they end up flaming out or whatever. The great ones always adjust, always stay, stay two steps ahead, always are evolving, creating whatever. Um, and they don't, you know, and, and sometimes they'll hit a bad spot like this. I mean, there's six games left, Clayton White. You know, I, I don't know that we know yet because if he has a – if he adjusts and has a massive turnaround, then uh, we're all just sitting there saying, well, at least he got it together the last six games. But uh, right now it is clear when you watch this team, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even smart enough to know how to fix it. Like what would it do? Do you put a, like a safety in the box? All that X is no stuff. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. I, just, I just know this. 
it's obvious to everybody opposing OCs are looking and going, okay, we're going to get this matchup. They get the matchup, they execute and it's working. You know, there's been, there's good calls versus bad calls all over the place. Shane Beamer's right. There were some good calls that weren't executed Saturday, but that's part of it too. And sometimes those mistakes magnify, you know, when you're not consistently, when other teams are consistently knowing how to pick on you, uh, you know, you, you know that's more magnified than, than maybe it should be. So, you know, they got to go back to the drawing board and do something, whether that's personnel, whether it's playing different guys in the secondary. You know, I know Kwan Banks has looked pretty good when he's been out there covering-wise. He's a lot smaller than those other dudes, but he packs a punch, and I doubt he misses that tackle on the perimeter. Um, you know, other than that, you know, what – what direction do you go? I mean, you know, edge is still an issue too. You know, they're not, they got more pressure Saturday than they have, but you know, you've got things happening up front that, you know, especially on the edges that they could be better, but you know, all in all, man, it's just the, the, the simple fact that coaches are coming in playing South Carolina, looking at them and they're, they're figuring out what to do and doing it. If it wasn't that Chris, wasn't that Chris, then, then you wouldn't have seen Mississippi state go downtown like they did. And you would have seen Florida all of a sudden, you know, look like the 96 Gators going up and down the field in the passing game because that's not what they did, you know. You know, they're specifically coming in and going, hey, this is open. This is the matchup we can definitely get. They're not adjusting. Let's exploit it, you know, because otherwise they'd have just sat there and tried to run the ball and, and, and not know. But good coaches figure things out. There's a lot of good coaches in this, in this league, and, you know, we'll see – what Clayton White, you know, sometimes you got to have an answer and we'll see what his answer is starting Saturday. And JC, unfortunately, it's another wasted outing by the offense, a fantastic outing by so many guys on the offensive side of the football, led, of course, by your quarterback. Spencer Rattler did everything he could, put on his Superman cape and, and did all he could to keep the Gamecocks in the football game and win that football game. Went 23 of 30, 313 yards, four touchdowns, an interception. He was only sacked twice, but I mean, a lot of times evaded pressure, right? That number could have been much higher. He used his legs yet again, seven carries for 46 yards on the day, 6.6 .6 per carry. Mario Anderson was fantastic. We can at least say the Gamecocks have most definitely found their RB1 in Anderson, 20 for 98, uh, along a 34.9 yards per carry. And he worked in the passing game, two for 23, had that touchdown catch. Trey Knox continues to be a main target, eight catches on the day. Xavier Leggett had a great day, over 100 yards receiving. A lot of positives and a lot of bright spots, J.C., on the offensive side. And, again, the only shame of it is that it went for naught in a losing effort. Your thoughts on the offensive side, because, again, there's two sides to every coin. And I would say if you're looking for positives as a Gamecock fan, the good news is this. You've got a quarterback and a running back now leading an offensive attack. And what they did, by the way, let me say, J.C., on the offensive line, I know you've talked about this. Nick Gargiulo at center, Trey Jones at right guard, Vershawn Lee at the right tackle spot. And obviously some other guys slid in and out of there, but I thought that was a pretty solid combination. I know Florida's not the best defensive line you've played, but I think the offensive line, you're seeing the progression. You're seeing the improvement from week to week to week. Again, it's unfortunate. It's in a losing effort, but there are a lot of positive to draw from the offense. And I think that's the thing you hang your hat on right now is saying, hey, if we do go four and two in the last six and get the bowl eligibility, we've got an offense that at least is going to give us a chance to do that. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends 
over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code Spurs Up for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code Spurs Up, S P or S U P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And also tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought, whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Absolutely, and and I'll say this. I mean, the the key for the offense now is you got to – you ever heard the another old adage, take this show on the road? They got to take this show on the road. Now, look, uh, North Carolina, I think we're all figuring out, <laughs> is a pretty good football team. I mean, a really good football team. And even in that game, Chris, South Carolina's inside the 23 times late in the game. They could have scored all three times. Uh, you know, nine sacks. First, you know, chalk that up to whatever. Uh, Neyland Stadium and Sanford Stadium are ridiculously difficult places to play and, and especially score points, especially in Neyland these days because they're playing really good defense up there. But, you know, starting with Missouri, the, the offense right now, away from williams Bryce, they're about half as productive. Scoring, yardage, whatever, mistakes, that kind of thing. So they need to take that up a notch if they're going to win one of these next two on the road. I did like what they did for Sean Lee. The tackles kind of been on the table since August. Somebody mentioned that to me back in August. And uh, I think he's been awfully good at center this year. He's very athletic. He's one of the best athletic linemen they have. Um, And people, people forget in the 2020 opener for Sean Lee played about six snaps out there at right tackle as a true freshman uh, against Tennessee that night. So he's got experience, Uh, you know, moving Nick to center was flaw, you know, it's seamless. Uh, And then Trey Jones, 
he's another really good athlete. Um, I guess he's been the backup center, and they finally moved him over to guard. And and I thought he held his own too. Now when Vershawn got hurt, I do want to say this: Sidney Fugar probably was probably had his best game. Was he perfect? No, uh, not by any stretch. But he actually that that wasn't like the end of the story. You know, when when Vershawn went out, Sidney actually went in there and held his own. So he's at least getting somewhat better. But uh, I'll say this: uh, you know. Uh, I, I think Josh Simon, I've been kind of hoping he gets more touches. And, and that's not a huge complaint. I just think he brings he brings a little – you know, you notice these kids that are from the state that were at the lower level that, that come back, like Simon from Western Kentucky and Mario Anders from Newberry. They play like every play is their last. Uh, and I think that gets everybody charged up. And, and, you know, I've got a deep appreciation for how they play the game. Uh, and so I, I think they're in good shape there. Getting Juice Wells back would be even better. I mean, if you if you you start talking about the grand scheme of the offense, but that's the key for them: take the show on the road, have a explosive outing uh, in somebody else's stadium. Because you know, right now it's probably a function of schedule. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know that they, they haven't necessarily been as productive away from William Price as they can. But like I said, you know, the opener was one thing. Neyland and Sanford are two other different animals that this isn't what they're not going into one of those types of environments on Saturday, although they are playing a really good football team. JC, I think too, we should give credit to Dowell Loggins. I thought the play calling, I, I thought the design was great. I thought the way, you know, we've all been clamoring for, we want Juju McDowell, for example, utilized, but in a certain mm-hmm. way, I thought the way they utilized him was beautiful. Like you mentioned, getting Joshua Simon involved, one catch, one touchdown, and what do you know? Old Nicholas Harbor got himself a catch down the field. Even game got to check that off their list. So, I, I mean, I thought all in all, you can, I, I just, you can nitpick all you want, I assume. And, and we'll see, right? It's only six games into his first year, but halfway through JC, I, I got no complaints. I mean, really from the play calling perspective, mm-hmm. I thought that was a beautifully called game on Saturday. And, and the thing I like about him is, man, he's, you know, I talked about always evolving. You kind of listen to his press conferences and, you can pick up on what he says, and you have to do this in the NFL. See, there's good traits and bad traits when you're coaching college. You can get uh, from the NFL, and uh, the previous guy, you know, that was here one year in the NFL one year, obviously brought a whole lot of like, you know, things that you probably the probably don't belong in college uh, with him, you know. But the other thing about the NFL is you're constantly retinkering. What can we do better? Because opposing defensive coordinators in the NFL will catch up to you in a heartbeat and you're all dealing with great players, right? Every week, that's the best players in the world. Uh, And and so that approach I think has actually helped him here because he's constantly like, Oh, we'll do this, 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 the Juju thing I thought was that's perfect. I mean, Juju McDowell, two, two, Juju now two touches, two touchdowns, Josh Simon, one touch, one touchdown, you know, uh, getting those guys the ball is great. You know, I, that makes Juju happy, I think, because he is a playmaker. Uh, he doesn't have to run it into a brick wall. Um, I thought some of the run calls were real nice, well-blocked, well-designed. Mario Anderson in the passing game, certainly, that was a pleasant surprise. Uh, not that not that he's dropped it or anything this year. And then, you know, with Nick Harbour, what, what's funny, Chris, is everybody always talks, you know, the, the criticism, I guess, as a recruit with him was his hands. Well, the two passes he's caught this year, the touchdown uh, was a good thrown ball by Lenore's, but that's a tough catch to make over there, especially when it's your first 
you know, you're in college and all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, I'm about to catch a touchdown. A lot of guys will drop that. And then Saturday, I don't know if you noticed, but like, he's like holding on to the ball like it was, you know, it was po- poking out, you know, it was almost dropped it, but he just took his big arm and squeezed it and, you know, got out like that. I thought, hey, that's that's pretty awesome. You know, he's he's getting there. He's getting there. People have to be patient, but he's getting there. So, you know, just a lot of positives on offense. It's hard to talk about it because it was such a tough game. I bet Spencer wishes he'd had the throwback. And, and I'll mention one more thing that was – potentially a bigger deal than people thought was the missed extra point. So you make that extra point, right? And I don't know why that happens. It's happened at home. You miss that extra, you make that extra point. Florida most likely is going for two on that first touchdown because to cut it to three instead of five, you know, they may or may not make it. Well, let's say they don't make it. Well, then the next time they're going for two again, uh, and the worst you are is down three. So instead of trying to get to the end zone in 47 seconds, you're trying to get to the 30 where Mitch Jeter can potentially kick the tying field goal or the game-winning field goal. Uh, and I think when you're down more than three, it does change your approach uh, a lot to the game. Of course, if you're Billy Napier, you just kind of went for it all in one, <laughs> down three. Uh, but uh, it it uh, that was a big – I mean, it, now maybe maybe Florida got, would, got, would have gotten the two – and then go back and score anyway, and it's still a four-point game. But, boy, you'd kind of wish you had that one back because uh, it not only would it change your approach, probably Florida's too. And uh, it could have led to a different outcome. In a game like that, the least little thing uh, can lead to a different outcome. It's those little things, JC, that add up that can win or lose you of all games. Certainly, you mentioned that botched extra point, and that's one of them that you look back on. Uh, JC, before we move into this Missouri game, obviously the second half of this 2023 season will begin for South Carolina. As you look back on the first half, you can give a grade if you want. You know, obviously we'll do like a midseason report card type of deal. But, like, when you look back on the first half of this Gamecocks football season, there's some good, there's some bad there's some ugly. What is your biggest takeaway? And what has surprised you the most, I would say, from the first six games? I'm going to go with like an old school kindergarten, first grade progress report style grade. <laughs> Needs improvement. <laughs> How about that? Uh, it, it, it's just overall, it needs improvement. I mean, uh, I, I know these guys are behind the eight ball on the offensive line with, with eight, nine injuries. You can't do anything about that. And, you know, bless their hearts. Those guys are trying Lonnie Teasley and Greg Atkins and Dowell Loggins, whoever else is, I mean, dude, they're doing everything they can. The Vershawn Lee move until somebody comes back and is healthy is probably the last card to be played, to be honest, because it's not, it's not, it. there's nothing else there. There's nothing else to be done. Uh, there to kind of tinker it, but man, credit them for going out and making the move and saying, "All right, we got to fix right tackle. How can we fix right tackle and not weaken other spots?" Well, you know, you could move Trey into the lineup, and Trey's a veteran and a good player, and slide Vershawn out. And you know, like I said, that's kind of been on the table for a little bit. I think it's more of a in case of emergency break glass kind of thing. And then you got to hope maybe the positive things if Vershawn's hurt. Maybe some positive things you saw from Fugar. He gets a little more confidence, plays better, whatever. Um, you know, so so that that's an issue. There's not much you could do about that. Running back, yeah, it's kind of hard to think that maybe you shouldn't have started Mario Anderson from the beginning. Um, and I don't know. 
obviously a lot's determined by practice. Maybe he wasn't practicing like that, but I mean, that guy, uh, he runs like every carry is his last. Uh, again, I have a deep appreciation for how guys play the game like that. He's hard to tackle. He's got good balance, vision, and he's faster than people think. I mean, when and I think it was just a matter of getting him comfortable at this level. Well, well, I think you have to wreck it. You, you know, in, in hindsight, I hate – I'm not trying to be an armchair quarterback here, Monday morning quarterback or whatever, but I, I think it's important to recognize that – with certain players and say, okay, this guy's not going to get to where we want him to get without playing in a game. Cause he's coming up a level. He's got to adjust, throw him out there, let him roll. He got no carries against North Carolina. Um, you know, maybe that could have helped uh, at the very least, if he's getting six, seven yards a carry or something like that. And I'm not saying he would have, maybe what, maybe he wasn't ready. Uh, they're not, sin in the house you know it's gonna they're gonna have to back off respect the run do whatever um you know so so with that i'm glad they finally found him i'm glad he's you know the rb1 now and i think that's an answer and we'll see if dj braswell to maybe get in there now um you know and, and so offense overall while it was a concern and you know those guys have gotten better the defense has not I mean, it's 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 one thing after another on that side of the ball, and you look at the personnel and you say, "Well, gosh, I mean, uh, you know, they did lose some guys, but they replaced them with pretty good players, and then so a lot of these guys were pretty highly touted recruits. I mean, I, I went through the secondary earlier, you know, that Beamer mentioned it this week. They're not young back there. Their depth is, uh, and the crazy thing is, the the one freshman that's back there playing is playing better than anybody." And Kilgore, he's playing like a like a grizzled veteran back there. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know that Jordan Strawn is himself. I don't know if he's going to get back there. Somebody's got to step up at edge besides Brian Thomas Jr. He, he he's a guy that's good in spots, uh, but they got to get gear going or Tuizama or Elijah Davis. You know, pick your guy. Uh, I do think the interior of the D line has gotten better and better when T.J. Sanders is out there. Uh, they're not really getting gashed like they were. And the linebackers, you know, in coverage, they're going to be an issue. Uh, but I think against the run, they're 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 playing the playing well right now. I mean, do they have some missed assignments sometimes? Yes. Uh, those guys also are playing a ton of snaps. Uh, it's been, you know, Pup and Bam Martin Scott have gotten in there more recently, but uh, you know, they're playing uh, Stone and Debo are playing a lot of snaps. So you know, overall, though, there's just no planet where you say, well, defense has gotten a lot better. You know, it, it just hasn't. It's been really, in some ways, a repeat of last year with the consistent not adjusting until halftime kind of deal. And I don't know if they try to adjust or not. Maybe they are, and it's just not sticking until halftime. I have no idea. But it just seems the defense usually gets a little better in the second half, not always. Uh, but then Saturday – Man, you know, just inexcusable all the way around, and you worry, you know, that, that that's just kind of going to be the way it is. Uh, and then throw in the, you know, some the special teams. I I think that when you're having to play a lot of snaps with some of your guys, like at linebacker, Chris and Beamer's moved to this, it impacts your. It does impact your special teams because they can't go out there on every unit. Uh, and last year, guys like Debo and Stone were out there on every unit, and you had. 
you know, DQ Smith, guys like that. Well, you can't do that now. Uh, and, and so your depth or lack of depth or lack of experience depth or quality depth, uh, that shines through. And then that's probably why you're not blocking punts and uh, maybe missing extra points or something like that. Uh, but the spe- and, and then Kai Kroger, I think, has been inconsistent. Uh, I think it's the best way to describe him. You know, you know he's capable. Uh, he just needs to be more consistent. Mitch Uter's been great, obviously. Um, the fake they dialed up, the one fake's been fine. I mean, it's just, you know, you, you just you look at the special teams and, and they're not making an impact. But it's another one of those things, just like turnovers. I don't think you can always count on that, you know, because, again, during the week, other coaches – they have coaches too, you know, they're sitting there going, all right, we got to be sound on special teams. Oh my God, Beamer ball, let's get ready. And, and because, and so the other team's very mindful of it and focused on it. So there's no, there's no element of surprise there, which is important in football. I think if you've ever read Sun Tzu's The Art of War, the element of surprise is obviously an important part of, of any type of battle. Uh, and it's certainly that, that book's definitely applicable to football. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So, J.C., as we look ahead at the start of the second half, Gamecocks go on the road to Columbia, Missouri. And, again, the Missouri Tigers and Eli Drinkwitz have been a thorn in the side of South Carolina, to say the least. You mentioned earlier in the show, take the show on the road. You'll have to do that offensively because, J.C., you know, I think right now, I don't know if it's realistic to expect South Carolina to go out there and pitch a shutout or have some great dominant defensive performance because you take on – Brady Cook, Luther Burden, Theo Weiss Jr., Nathaniel Peake, Cody Schrader. Mizzou has been really good offensively this year and defensively. I think they've been somewhat sort of so-so. I don't know if they've been as good as we expected coming in, but all in all, it'll be a tough challenge in Como this weekend. And like you mentioned, I did not know this either. Three and ten Shane Beamer is against SEC East opponents not named Vanderbilt since he started. So, you know, it, it goes without saying, J.C., this is a big one in Como this weekend. Yeah, and look, it's a game the Gamecocks can win. I mean, I'm sure Missouri was sitting there last year heading into Columbia. The Gamecocks on a four-game win streak, and they were struggling mightily. You know, I'm sure they sat there and went, oh, my God, now we got to go to South Carolina. And, you know, look what happened. Um, you know, you just got to kind of rally the troops and go in there and, and win you a football game. Uh, the good thing I, the thing I like about Missouri's defense a lot, Chris, with the exception of the LSU game, they get better as the game goes on. They're a really good fourth-quarter defensive team except for LSU, which really just ended up out-talenting them at the end of the day. I watched most of that game. But, yeah, they'll give up some early, and then they'll uh, they'll they'll settle in. I think, I think they're well, very well coached on that side of the ball, and they have players. You know, offensively, Brady Cook is in a zone. you got to kind of hope he has a bad day. Uh, and he hasn't had one very many this year at all. But from being booed on his home field to, to being like, you know, uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, he can hurt you with his feet. Uh, you mentioned Cody Schrader. This is a battle of former Division II running backs. Cody Schrader was at Truman State prior to last year and came to Missouri as a walk-on. And uh, he's good, tough to stop. Uh, and then they may have the best receiving core, I think, uh, it, one of them in the SEC at least. 
And so it's going to be tough. You know, they, the Gamecocks have not fared well against Eli Drinkwood since the 2017 opener when they beat NC State, and he was the coordinator there. And even that day, uh, his offense had about 505 yards while Roper Ball only put up about 220. <laughs> Exciting win, good win for the Gamecocks. But, you know, Eli's been pretty good against Carolina. And, you know, it's just uh, – it's a tough one. It's a tough one to sit there and, and think about. That said, Missouri really hadn't blown South Carolina out. You know, even – I guess 2019 was the biggest margin. That was a 20-point game. My God, Brian McClendon, he had Ryan Holinsky throw a freaking RPO on the three, and it ends up at a 100-yard pick six. And, I mean, if you kick the field goal there, you're only down seven, and you faced adversity. You know, 2020, Carolina comes back. It's a 17-10 guess. The Doty game, you know, 2018 – I'm sorry, 2021 was inexcusable. South Carolina only managed 253 yards against one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. Coached by Steve Wilkes, by the way, who's killing it in the NFL. So what does that tell you sometimes about these NFL guys? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, and then last year was just, man, Carolina just could never – even when they got some things going and cut it to 17-10, it just uh, it wasn't meant to be. And really, uh, even though the defense only gave up six in the second half, poor performance on both sides. I think they got caught with their pants down. Uh, badly uh, by the Missouri offense in the first half. And then obviously the offensive game plan once Marshawn Lloyd went out was non-existent. So uh, it's tough, but it hadn't been, it hadn't been insurmountable. I don't think Missouri's 10 times more talented than the Gamecocks. I I think probably a slight edge to them right now, given the injuries on the roster, but you know, it's, I'm not going to pick it. I'm probably not picking Carolina to win this week. I'm not going to predict it, Mm. but can they win? Oh, yeah. It's the SEC in 2023, man. Just when you think one thing's going to happen, something else does. And, and that should give people some hope uh, heading into the game this weekend. And we've already seen it, JC, in Vegas. Gamecocks opened up as an eight-point underdog. That line is now down to seven and a half. So, at minimum, some folks out there are expecting a close ball game in Como. And, again, we've seen Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks when you think they're dead. Look at last year's Florida game. They come back seven days later and do the unthinkable. Mm. So, who knows? Who knows what may happen this weekend? J.C. Sherbert inside the Gamecocks, the Big Spur. J.C., appreciate you as always taking the time, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.